Hey everyone, and welcome to the Salt Lake Board of Realtors podcast. This is the second official episode, and we're kicking things off with a great topic for this time of year because we've all been thinking about taxes. Got to get them filed, want to pay them and be compliant, but we also want to keep as much of that hard-earned money as we can. So as I explained in the episode one, the one you may have just listened to, or maybe you skipped over it, went right to this one. We're doing something a little different in these first two episodes. Normally, I'll be the one having the conversation with our guest, but today with our guest, Mark Kohler, uh, we're running a conversation he had with Salt Lake Board of Realtors CEO, Curtis Bullock, and Dave Anderton, who is the communication director at the Salt Lake Board of Realtors. We broke this one up into two parts. You can go back and listen to part one, or you can start here and you know figure out what you want to do. It's really flexible. But here's part two of our conversation with Mark Kohler. We've got an awesome guest on our program today, and his name is Mark Kohler. Mark is a best-selling author, and he's also an attorney. Don't hold that against him. He's also a CPA. Uh, He does a lot of radio shows and is just so knowledgeable about taxes and how this can help influence what we do as realtors and what you all do. Mark, we have about 8,700 realtors out there right now. And hopefully a lot of them are listening today about about the topic we're going to discuss today, which is taxes. So let's, uh, why don't you say hi, Mark, just maybe say something about yourself and then we'll get going. Well, (laughs) thanks for having me. And for anybody out there that's almost to the point of turning off your uh, podcast play button or turning off your radio. Don't do it yet. Let, let's at least set the table for you. I uh, know that many of you as busy realtors are uh, ca- probably catching this podcast as you're driving to your next appointment, you're commuting this morning. Please uh, take the time on several drives or whatever it takes to get through this podcast. There's some powerful info I want to share with you. I love real estate, love realtors, love what these guys are doing here to help you out. Um, Curtis and Peter, they're, they're bringing you real content that you can apply right now in your life. So, so I, should I'm, I'm say, I should say, Mark, we've got Dave Anderton on the, on the call with us. He's our communication director and Dave is a former reporter. So he's awesome at this and, and Peter's in the background as well helping. So. Oh, okay. Okay. So there's Peter. I was like, the, you know, you put you, this is a podcast, so I don't see exactly who everybody that's All in right. the room. And I knew Peter was there somewhere and Curtis. Thanks, Dave. I apologize. All right. All right. Well, I, thanks for having me, guys. I, I'm, um, taxes can be fun. Oh, who doesn't love to save money? That's we all love to save money. And you're about to tell us all the tricks of the trade, aren't you? I hope. We'll do so best. so to, in 2017, there's this new tax law, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. I can hardly even say that. What's that all about? Okay. Well, we'll call it the TCJA, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. So the TCJA. Now, guys, I've got a story to tell. You're going to love this. This is just... This will blow your mind. So everybody hear, the, hear me out. When this law was passed on December 31st, 2017, to be effective last year in 2018, when it was passed, they gave all the big corporations a 21% flat tax rate. Big deal. Made it permanent. There was probably 300 pages of just corporate law stuff for big corporations. Then the second part is they passed a lot of provisions for the individuals so that the average American felt like they could sign off on this tax bill and they try to simplify the tax code and there's all sorts of changes to standard deductions and child tax credits and a lot of things that many of you have heard. And that's not the goal of today either. We're not talking about big corporations or the individual tax return. Those topics for another day if we get there. But the third piece of this was helping small business owners. And that's, and that's you and me. 
We're small business owners. If you're a realtor, if you're a broker, you're a small business owner. So when they passed this thing, they said, well, we can't do a straight tax cut because everybody uses pass-through entities, S-Corps and LLCs. And if you're a realtor out there making more than 40 grand a year, you know you better be in an S-Corp. That's been something I've been preaching for 20 years. Even though I look like a millennial, it's been you know, 20 years. Nice, right, right. You know. So anyway, now with that said, they said, well, let's give all of these business owners a 20% tax deduction on whatever they net in their business We'll give them a 20% tax cut. If they're up, make 100 grand as a realtor, spend 20 grand on expenses and net 80, then they can have a $16,000 deduction. What? And then I only pay taxes on 64. Woo, sounds great, right? Yeah. But they said, hey, if you're too successful, if you make too much money, now this is part of the story, so hang tight, people. If they said, if you make too much money, yeah, you phase out. You don't get the write-off because, you know what, you're, you're wealthy and you don't need it. Whatever. Go down that path. What's considered day. wealthy? Where is the cutoff? Okay. So, the cutoff was if you're single and make more than two hundred and seven grand, or married, finally joint, you make more than 415000 then there's a new rule that comes into play. And for certain businesses, you don't even get it. You just phase out. You don't even get it. So let me give you that list. Now, this is, this is a story. This is what they said back then. Dentists, doctors, actors, actresses, athletes, um, CPAs, lawyers, because you're in professional service, if you make that much money and we give you a break, you're not going to go out and hire more employees. You're just going to go buy a bigger boat or a bigger house. What about, uh, Mark, this is Dave. What about consulting kind of work? Yeah, consultants, they're shot down. Professional uh, consulting work, you can't take the 20%. That's right. If you make too much money, if you hit those phase outs. So okay. consultants and everybody, and guess who else? Realtors and brokers. But just, just for the record, Mark, it is real tours. Oh, that's real tours. <laughs> you like real tours or real tours? Real tours. Real real tours. tours. Okay. okay. We don't want to get made fun of here. I know. Okay. I'm oh, sorry. Keep going. Sorry. I, you don't know how many times I talked to real tours around <laughs> country. So I got to get that down. I don't want to offend anyone. Now, here's the deal. Sorry. Okay. This is important. Even realtors and brokers, you don't get the write-off if you make too much money. Now, last year in January and February, all of the professional service industries freaked out. I freaked out. I'm like, what? If I make too much money, I don't get this write-off? You're kidding me. This is terrible. And so the AMA, the American Medical Association, the Bar Association, even the National Association of Realtors and the Dentist Association, all these professional agencies just dove into Washington. They freaking blanket it with their lobbyists and say, you can't do this. You can't phase out these professional services. And then in August, they issued the regs saying, here's, well, here's an update on how we're going to implement this. So they listened to all the lobbyists. They listened to everybody. And out of all the industries, there was only one industry that pulled off a coup and got out of the unqualified list, that got out of this unfavored list. There was only one group. You're going to tell us, right, who it is? The realtors. Wow. <laughs> I am not kidding you. I am, there was probably a billion dollars spent in lobbying in that seven, eight months. Unbelievable. Everybody just, so, just pummeled Washington, and the National Association of Realtors pulled off the biggest coup in lobby history. 
I mean, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I mean, being a member of a national organization like that, that says something that they could get something like that so impactful uh, passed at the national level. That's huge. Yeah. If any of you realtors listening, brokers, and you're like sick of writing a check once in a while to the political uh, PAC committees of Utah or the national group, I don't want to hear you complain ever again. You just suck it up because you just saved so much money. So here's the point. Realtors, brokers, you never phase out of this. You get the write-off just like a restaurant, a manufacturing business, a construction business. You get this 20% deduction. Now, there's a, an extra calculation that comes into play once you make more than 200 grand or 400 grand. But still, you're in the game. I can't oh, believe it. So, Mark, if you're in those other professions, accounting, whatever, acting, you can still take the deduction if you earn under the minimum? Yep. But if you earn over the minimum, you're out of luck. You're Only screwed. the realtors get to go all the way. Yeah, it's a technical term. We're called you are screwed. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it's terrible. So, I mean, the theory was, hey, if Tom Selleck makes, you know, more money or, uh, you, know, we, you know, LeBron James makes more money as a basketball player, he doesn't need the write-off. He's not going to go out and hire more employees and build more business to build the economy. That's their point. I don't agree with, you know, accounting firms and law firms and dental practices and doctor groups that are going to hire more nurses and, and, and help stimulate the economy, but it is what it is. So professionals, including those consultants, Dave, they don't get it, but realtors do. So now we could spend the whole time talking about this, but here's the point. You as realtors and brokers have got to take proactive planning action, especially if you're over the 200 grand or $400,000 limit. And I know there's brokers and realtors listening right now that you make more than 200 grand or 400. You have got to have a proactive conversation with your accountant because there's a special equation that kicks in at that level and your payroll in your S corp plays into this. And if you're not an S corp, you're already back you know, in 1982, you got to bring yourself into this century and really start doing some better so planning. What does, that, what does that mean, Mark? A proactive approach? Well, I don't know what you mean. Okay. So once you hit these limits, so now you guys heard the story. It's exciting. You should be grateful. This is a big deal, but it just doesn't automatically happen. You're like, oh, I made 400 grand as a realtor. So I get a $80,000 deduction. No. Once you make that much, it's, there's an equation that, that you get the 20% of your net income or 50% of your payroll, whichever is less. And then there's another equation of how much a property is in your business. It gets pretty darn technical and it's beyond the scope of this podcast. But here's the point. If you are taking too much of a payroll or doing an LLC, you're leaving money on the table with FICA. If you take too little of a payroll, you're leaving 199A on the table. There's a sweet spot. Based on what your business is doing, your profit, your payroll, your S-corp, your solo 401k, your rental property, it's all part of an equation. And if your accountant doesn't get it, you're going to leave money on the table because you're either going to be too high on payroll or you're going to be too low for the 199A and you've got to be in the right spot. And it's just, TurboTax is not going to cut this, people. Uh, Do do CPAs know this? Because my CPA, I was asked some questions about this law and he he said, maybe you should ask your tax attorney. He didn't even know about oh. changes to the law. So is yeah. this common that a lot of CPAs don't keep up or what is, what's the deal there? Well, no, it is, it is complicated. And a lot of CPAs 
don't take the time to study. They get into a rut. They think, well, I'm just doing 1040s and I'm going to push my business clients off or I'm not going to deal with it or I'm just going to let the computer do what it does. There's probably a myriad of reasons why CPAs, some CPAs are not up to speed on this. You know, guys, you know, you, you asked me to be on the show today because I talked to a lot of real estate groups around the country. I was in San Diego just two days ago um, talking to a group of real estate investors, realtors, and brokers. And it was an honor. And but you know what? I speak to more CPAs around the country. Dave, right now you're learning what I'm teaching other CPAs and they're astonished. They don't even, and you would think your CPA would know this. At the end of this podcast, I know. At the end of this podcast, you're going to know more than probably 50% of the CPAs out there. Hmm. Seriously. Well, let's get into some of that. That's, that's incredible. Let's, so to get that 20% deduction, you have to have an S corp. Can you have a partnership or sole proprietorship? Or uh, does it just work through S-Corps? How, do you, how does it work? You bet. Well, it works on all of those entities. It's a pass-through deduction. So as you could be a sole proprietor, a simple LLC. You could be a partnership. You could be an S-Corporation. Everybody gets the deduction. I, I, sorry. If, now, and let's make this easy. For any of you realtors, brokers out there, if you're making less than 200 grand single, or less than 415,000 married filing joint, don't worry, you get the write-off. Now we're gonna do some FICA planning and make sure you're in an S Corp and you're maxing 401k, paying your kids, writing off your home office, the auto deductions, whoa, wait till we get there guys. But I mean, there is so much there to do, but if you're, so here's my takeaway. If you're under those limits, don't stress. Stick to your core planning. But for those that are more than 200 grand or 400, that's where some strategic planning has to come into play. You want to talk to your CPA. And if your accountant doesn't know this, upgrade. Uh, we, we'll give our contact numbers. We can be out there to help you. But So, David, it does apply to all those pass-through entities. Um, it's just when do you need to worry about it? Um, so, anyway. Awesome. Tricky stuff. Now, I got some better stuff. That, I teach classes with 15 strategies. This is one. So, I mean, guys, we got, we got a lot to cover here. Is this, is this exciting? Are you already thrilled that you're not talking about a Repsy right now or some you know, mold inspection thing? This is so much better. Who cares actually, about latent meth like in apartments? That's okay. Taxes are, taxes are fun. So, what's the, what should we, how should we handle the topic? How can we chip this into little digestible pieces for our many members to, to listen and understand? What do you, what do you say? Okay, well... You, you told, and this is really the intro to the show that you gave, is you wanted to give an update on the New Tax Cut and Jobs Act, right? Right. Okay. So number one, 20% pass-through, make sure it's coordinated with your S corporation. Now, for you that are realtors, I will reiterate this again, realtors, sorry. If you're making more than 50 grand a year in the state of Utah as a realtor, if you're not an S corporation, you are losing thousands of dollars. Why is that? Because if you're just a sole proprietor or an LLC, like Dave was pointing out, if I make 50 grand as a realtor and I have no structure, I'm going to pay self-employment tax of 15% on that 50,000 before I even pay federal or state tax. So that's a $7,500 tax bill right off the top, 7,500 bucks. Then I pay my state and federal. But if you form an S corporation, we're going to split your FICA or your self-employment tax in half by issuing you a paycheck out of your own little corporation. Very affordable and simple to do. Every successful realtor mine does this. Then we can cut that 7,500 in half. 
So you're now just saved $3,200 by going into an S corporation, making the same amount of money. And it may cost you $1,000 to to set up and maintain every year because you got to do a tax return every year and some payroll. But let, let's do the math. Let me here. This is tough. You got a pencil, paper. Let's, here it is. Everybody, listen. Spend a thousand, save three thousand. Okay, just now. Okay, now this is hard math. Okay, should I do it or not? <laughs> Spend a thousand, save three. I know it's tough. Your account says don't do it, but and the thousands to set up your escort. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. In your first year, we charge a grand to set up and get you going. And then in following years, you're going to spend a thousand or so on tax prep. So your average cost is going to be a thousand to 1500 a year, but just on 50 grand, you're saving 32. So the more money you make, the more you save, then it coordinates with your 199A. See what I'm saying? Boom. Let me Mark, drop the mic. Any situation where you shouldn't be an S corp. Cause like, so tip number one is what I'm getting is if you're a realtor and you're earning some money, you sh and if you're not an S corporation, you need to rethink that and go talk to your accountant or tax advisor. Yes. Bottom line, like there's no real situation where you shouldn't be, maybe there's other cases, but most of the time you're going to want to be an S corporation. Yes. If you're a brand new realtor, realtor making less than okay. 30 to 40 grand, I'd hold off, you know, okay. maybe set up an LLC get legit, get your tax ID number, get your bank account, get used to separate banking and accounting. You remember you're a business owner and I talked to a lot of brand new realtors where we'll set them up as an LLC. Then we can convert it to an S corp once you break that 40 to $50,000 threshold. That's it. Other than that, it's a no brainer. And so this, this isn't, we don't want to confuse the one thing. I know a lot of realtors will have an S corporation set up to receive their commission checks too, but then if they're going out and investing in real estate, they'll create a separate LLC or more than one LLC to purchase those investment properties. Does that sound like a good strategy in some cases? Exactly. And by the way, for any out there that go, well, my brokers gave me a 1099. My 1099 came to my social. Oh, I'm all screwed up. I can't do it. No, you can do it. A good accountant knows how to move that, that 1099 and your pay from your broker into your S corporation. It's easy. We do it every year. So now in the future, moving forward, we want all your commissions to go into the S Corp and use the checking, the pro checkbook properly and all that. And then as you pull out your profits, you go across the wall and buy your rentals. Just like you said, Curtis, perfect. Then we're going to buy, set up LLCs to hold my rentals, but use my S Corp for my business. They're gotcha. a brother, sister. Do LLCs save taxes? If I, if I have an LLC as an agent, do I save taxes? No. Why do I set up LLCs, guys? Why do I Liability do Liability protection? For protection. For protection. The S Corp saves you in your operations. The LLC protects you with your rentals. Right. Love it. Love it. Okay, what's next? Okay, now, keeping with the theme here that we're talking about new changes, because I, I get a chance about once a year to teach a class. They're at the, the board offices out there and on I-15 right off the freeway there. I love it. Um, I can't remember the South. You're about... 5,300? Uh, yeah. 9,700. 9,700. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, man. It's been years. Sorry. The closer to the U, the better. So I was thinking you were closer <laughs> to the University of Utah, which is oh, the holy land. So, okay. Now, um, <laughs> I thought you went to BYU. What? Oh. You went to okay. BYU. Podcast Hawaii. over. Done. I know that. Yeah. Sorry, I'm done. I'm, I'm out. Okay, now I'm just joking. I'm you. I bleed red. Okay, now, here's the next tip. This year, in Chinese culture, 
it is the year of the what? What year of the animal? Do you guys know? Just off the top of your head. I'm just going to throw uh, that. I do not know that. Do you? Is it? Okay. The pig. It is, the pig? It, it is the year of the pig. You are exactly right. It is the year of the pig. Um, the year of the pig. And this year in the uh, United States, it is going to be the year of the auto. I know that sounds funny. It is the year of the auto. Mark Kohler has now named it the year of the auto. Okay. What now, do you mean? <laughs> now, let me tell you why this matters. As a realtor, you are putting on hundreds, thousands of miles in your auto, right? You're out on the road every day. Yes. The auto deduction it is one of your most important strategic write-offs as a real estate investor and as a real estate professional, period, right? But I don't want to keep track of my miles. Is that such a pain? How do you do that? Oh, Curtis, Curtis, Curtis. Okay. Let's, we'll digress to that for a moment. This is good. For anybody out there, what most good quality accountants will do is just say, hey, give me a fair representation of your mileage. Some of you might have an app. Some of you can recreate your miles. If you are ever audited, you should be able to provide a written log of your miles. Now, as long as it's, uh, it's kept in perspective, it's reasonable, and it makes sense based on your revenue and what you're doing. I have, I'm 20 years, I've had maybe one audit where the IRS has asked one of my clients to provide documentation for the auto deduction. It is very, very rare. As long as you're not too aggressive and get greedy. And we've done thousands upon tens of thousands of tax returns for small business owners over the last 20 years. And I'm telling you, one audit on, and it wasn't even, they didn't even want to see the mileage log, but we had to review the auto thing. So everybody out there, don't stress about it. Just don't get greedy. Have a good, reasonable, fair representation of your mileage and be able to provide a log for me if you can. And then we're good. Okay, good. Okay. Now, with that said, in the last 40 years, what do realtors do? They, if they have an SUV or a truck, you try to write it off, maybe actual, but then your mileage and your gas, it's, it, it's just your mileage is too high, the gas is too high, and, you, and most realtors stick with a car, and we use the mileage method. That's what we've been taught to do. Well, in, in fact, in, in, in 2017, if you bought a $45,000, $50,000 car and tried to take actual where you depreciated the car and wrote off your fuel, it would have taken you 16 years to write off your auto. That long. It's ridiculous. It was terrible. So what did we all do? We did mileage, right? Well, under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, it got better. The best auto deduction strategies in 40 years are now at our doorstep. And if I was a realtor or a broker, that's where I want to be. I want to be talking about this. So. Number one mileage, 58 cents a mile this year. The highest it's ever wow. been. Wow, that is that's high. incredible. Yeah, that's 58 cents a mile. Big deal. Okay. Also, if you want to depreciate a car and take the actual method, you can write off up to 16000 in the first year, 10000 the second year, plus fuel repairs and maintenance. In the first three years of a vehicle purchase under $58,000, I can write off 75% of that car and the rest of your fuel repairs and maintenance based on the percentage of use. So if it's a hundred percent business, I'm writing off hundred percent of that crap and writing off your vehicle, depreciating it within three years. Never been heard of before. This is amazing. So you may be asking, well, 
when should I use mileage? When should I use actual with a car? Well, in a recent blog article of mine, I put forth eight different scenarios of which scenario may fit you best because it's tricky. And again, Dave, this is like what we were talking about. You want to meet with your accountant. You want to talk about your options because think about this. Let's say you buy a, an inexpensive car. Maybe you buy a used car for 30 grand, but you put on freaking 25,000 miles this year running around selling real estate. Well, would you be better with actual? No, because you, you went cheap, which you should when you're getting started. You go affordable, you buy a low-end car, you get good gas mileage, and you're putting on a ton of miles. So you want to stick with mileage, 58 cents a mile. But let's say you buy a, a new or used car. You can do either one under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which has never been allowed before. New or used, you get this bonus depreciation under $58,000, which is now considered a non-luxury vehicle if it's under 58000 then I can take the depreciation and actual. And if you don't put it on as many miles, it's better to use actual. Mm. See, isn't that interesting? So you've got to look at the cost of the car, how, much mile, how many miles you expect to put on, and then find that sweet spot with your auto. Okay, so Mark, with that in mind, talking about automobiles and realtors racking up the miles on cars, I know some realtors have cars that, are, are, that cost more than $58,000. I think that's the number you said. What about that or luxury automobiles? Is there anything to say about that? Yeah. Now, <laughs> I think there's a lot to talk about here. We have economic issues. We have tax issues. Um, the first thing I would say is, realtors, I know you've got to look good out on the road. You've got to look sharp and presentable. But, but do you really need a luxury auto to be a good realtor or broker? I, I want you to ask that question. We should be smart business owners first. And uh, under this new Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, you can buy a used car. There's nothing wrong with a BMW uh, pre-owned vehicle under 58. There's some amazing deals there. So if you want to drive a Mercedes or a Beamer, uh, an Audi or some sort of German vehicle, you know, that's really nice, um, look at the pre-owned. You don't need to spend over 58 just to look good and feel good. So that's my first point. And, and as... I'm a cheap guy. I'm an accountant. I want to save you money and make you money. And you going out and buying a $90,000 brand new Mercedes 500 off the lot, that's not smart, people. It's not. Now, maybe it's your time in life where you can enjoy it, but be careful. So that's point number one. Also, let's think about this. If you're going to go with a high-end car, now I have realtors that do this. They'll have the low-end car for running around, errands, showing property that, you know, I don't need to have the wine and dine, the high-end client then they'll have a luxury vehicle in the mix. That's what I like leasing. Leasing is nice because you can get a much lower outlay per month. The, the cost per month for a lease on a BMW is half of what it would be buying it. So why don't we look at leasing? Now you have mileage limits with leasing, which I don't like. That's why you need kind of that two-car combo. But I have a lot of real estate professionals that will use both the low-end car for miles and the high-end car for whining and dining and use a lease on those cars. If you've ever seen the ShamWow, ShamWow uh, infomercials, because what happens after he gives you the first deal? He says, it gets better. Okay, so this is it. Guys, what was the old rule if I bought an SUV? I could only write off 25000 of an SUV, and then I could do actual. Well, this was a loophole in the new Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. They, screw, they screwed up here. I truly believe that. Many accounts, I didn't even get this, Dave, until after three months of study on the new Tax and Cuts Jobs Act. 
you can go out and buy a brand new SUV, new or used, and write off 100%. See, this the, is better in than the first the, year. In the first year. And that's, it has to be over 6,000 pounds, right? Yep. So we're talking an SUV that weighs more than 6,000 pounds, which the new Tesla uh, covers, it, it meets this criteria. You've got all the SUVs that have typically been limited, but um, so you can do 100% write off. And this, and even gets big trucks. Done. The, the size of the truck bed doesn't matter anymore because a bonus depreciation is 100%. So you could buy new or used a truck or SUV. Wow. Is that crazy? Can take, Unbelievable. Can you take mileage uh, after, this, after that first year? Dave, that's a great question. A lot of people ask that. Once you choose the method for a vehicle, you have to stay with that method for the life of the ownership. Okay. Oh, good point. So yeah. I've had in my life, there was one time where we had a car that we were doing mileage. I had a truck where I did actual. And then I had a BMW lease and I did leasing and we managed the miles on the BMW, used it for the important appointments and the nice trips and the nice nights out. But then we used the truck and the car and maximized the write-offs. So if you do it right in a family scenario, you can use three or four different methods for three or four different cars. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Now entertainment and meals. Entertainment. Oh, See, you guys, I want to just talk about good stuff and you wanted to bring up the bad stuff. Yes. With the tax cuts and jobs act, the government giveth and the government taketh away. So I've been giving you all the good stuff. Here's the sad part. Entertainment expense is gone. So you cannot write off golfing with your client. You can't write off the sports game, the theater tickets, the, you know, uh, top golf. You can't write off the entertainment, the spa, no longer. Meals are still a 50% write-off, which is good. That was clarified in a tax reg in October because that was even questionable. If I went with meals while I was out entertaining. So, so I, can, are, I can write off a, a meal with my client 50%? Yes. Yes, sir. Or just, and, just my own meal. Okay. Good question. If you're out talking business with anyone anywhere, it's always 50%. Even if you pay for your share and they pay for their share, or you don't have to buy their meal to get the write-off. So you always, and you record hundred percent of your food and then me, the accountant, I cut it in half when it goes on your tax return. That's the rule. Cause the IRS said you had to eat anyway. So I can write off half your meals. Now, let's, now the rule, this is by the Supreme Court of the United States. If you're traveling for business, you can even write off a meal by yourself. So now, Dave, you live in Salt Lake area, right? But let's Even. say you, yeah, so let's say you've got to go down to Provo. Now, you've got to do some business down there. Now, I know it's miserable. The last thing you want to do is go to Provo because you're a Ute fan. But let's just say you've got to go down there. See, I'm alienating all your BYU fans on the show. I don't mean to do that. I'm joking around. Do you know I've got two kids going to BYU? Oh, it hurts me. pains me. Okay, anyway. So, all joking. <laughs> Please be patient with my joking. So, Dave goes down to Utah County. He's got a meeting down there. Now, he doesn't go down to Utah County every day. It's outside of his normal commute under the Supreme Court ruling. Anything that's out of your, Dave's normal commute, he could run through Wendy's and pick up lunch by himself and ride it off wow. because he's traveling down there for business, even if he doesn't meet with anyone. So meals are still a write-off by yourself as long as you're outside of a normal commute anywhere in the country traveling for business. Great conversation. We hope you'll subscribe to the podcast and help us spread the word. If there's a topic you're particularly interested in, please just let us know. You can hit us up on Twitter at SL Realtors. Go ahead and follow us there, even if you don't have a suggestion for the show, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash SL Realtors. We'll catch up with you next month.